0: In 1976, a respectable neuropathologist is killed by the KGV in the Soviet Union and his body is taken to the morgue which is left there for three days only to come back to life when an autopsy was being performed on him. He came back with amazing stories from the other side a place where there is no time and everything is infinite and full of love. In 2008, a neurosurgeon goes into a deep coma for a week Due to bacterial meningitis, the neocortex of his brain was completely shut down. He was effectively dead. However, he survived against all odds, and also brought with him the amazing experiences of the life after life, and today he tells everyone about what he saw on the other side. Their view of what life is completely changed after those experiences. From being men of science to being more spiritual and extremely open-minded. These are some of the stories we're exploring today to answer What happens when we die? Or Is there life after death? Welcome to Astra Podcast, Episode 7 My name is Joy and I'm the messenger Today we're exploring that question that many of us ask ourselves at some point in our lives I'm almost certain that everyone listening to this had asked these questions before At least once Maybe some people don't want to think about it much, but they know it is a deep question. Naturally, this episode will touch on cases of near-death experiences, reincarnation, the nature of existence and non-existence, and even IT-related subjects. As always, we encourage you to do your own research and discern the information you'll hear in this episode. For us humans, our eyes can see a small range of colors. It's called visible light. They are some kind of tuning fork that will respond to a specific frequency. The same with our ears for sound, our nose for smells, our nervous system for touch, and our tongues for flavors. But the fact that we cannot see other colors or a different range of visible electromagnetic frequencies doesn't mean that those other frequencies don't exist, or, most importantly, it doesn't mean that those other frequencies cannot interact with our eyes in other ways. For example, ultraviolet light is invisible to our eyes, and yet it can damage our eyes in prolonged and strong exposures to it. All this got me thinking and wondering if there are more colors that we cannot see. How beautiful would they be? Let's consider this hypothetical scenario. If somehow I was able to experience seeing one of those otherwise invisible colors, how would I be able to describe it to other people? There's no reference point. And even if there was a reference available for everyone to see, the fact that everyone else is not sensitive to that particular range of light will make the task impossible. Because other people is simply blind to it, just like trying to explain a color to someone who has been born blind. The only way I could describe it would be just to say that it is not a visible color to the human eye, but it exists. And everybody will have to take my word for it, or go as far as to use some scientific investigation to prove it. And even if the scientific investigation succeeds in obtaining proof of the existence of this color, the result will often come in the form of numbers or some abstract way of understanding it, taking away the real experience of seeing the color itself. Now try to imagine a color that doesn't exist. Seriously, you can pause this episode right now and spend a few seconds trying to imagine a color that doesn't exist. Imagining a color requires your brain to produce an image or simply the color, but it will use predefined colors you have already seen in your life before. So it'll be virtually impossible to imagine a new one. Even if you manage to see or somehow acquire the information of what a different color looks like, describing it to other people so that they can see it too is impossible. They will have to see it by themselves, to understand what you are referring to. The other only possible way I can think of transmitting this information to another person will be telepathically. It is said that using telepathy, you can transmit images, feelings, and an entire range of information beyond words, images, and sounds. All of it in an instant. But in this episode, we're not talking about telepathy, maybe in a future one. This is one of the examples when words are not useful to explain certain phenomena. This happens a lot to people that had NDEs, or near-death experiences. When they come back, they explain the incredible experiences they went through, but the majority of the experiences, just like the invisible colors, cannot be expressed with words. Life and death. One of the problems of dualism is that it won't allow us to see the fundamental reality clearly, meaning that whenever we say life, Life. that will naturally imply an opposite, which in this case is death, Death. and we tag those words as good and bad respectively, when in reality, they are simply a process, neither good nor bad. And fundamentally, there is only life that's the only thing there is and had been. Life can only come out of other life. Even death depends on something to be alive first. There's no such thing as a real permanent death. There's only transformation into something else. The reason why dualism exists is to have a different perspective on existence. Duality is what allows us to interact with ourselves, believing we are actually interacting with something external to us. Imagine being alive forever. You might think that's what you want, but after 500 trillion years, you might get really bored. That's why we have duality and cycles. Here is a quote from the book, The things you can see only when you slow down by Zen Buddhist, Haemin Sunim, quote, A long time ago, there was only one mind, which became bored by being alone for so long. So it decided to split into two. But since the two knew they were originally one, playing together was not much fun. As if playing both sides of a chess game. So the two minds agreed to forget where they came from. They pretended not to know each other. As time passed, they also forgot about their agreement. They forgot they were actually one and the same. This is the condition of our existence we forget that we are originally from one mind." This is a story that is repeated many times throughout ancient religions and philosophies, telling us that everything is one, and we are just playing a game, pretending we are separate and different, just so the game is a lot more fun, and full of surprises. Everything is in movement, constantly changing, and everything as a cycling nature. To think about death as the end of everything is as ridiculous as thinking that winter is the definitive end of summer forever. I mean, everybody is entitled to believe whatever they want to believe. It is part of the learning process to make mistakes. Although in reality nothing is a mistake, you must explore and experience the different possibilities because no one can explain to you what the invisible color looks like you are the one that has to see it for yourself. Cycles. Cycles. Life. 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 Cycles can be seen everywhere. Day and night. Whether seasons, stars dying and others being born, human behavior, sound waves, or any electromagnetic wave such as light, and even the collapse of the universe to be born again as a big bang. Just like the Mandelbrot set that generates infinite fractals, creating multiple copies of itself an infinite number of times. Reincarnation. Dr. Ian Stevenson was a professor of psychiatry at the School of Medicine in the University of Virginia. He interviewed more than 3,000 children from all over the world who remembered having lived before, often in great detail. We are talking about 3,000 interviews from 3,000 different children, from different backgrounds and countries. In some cases, the families didn't believe in reincarnation at all, and in some others, they did. In any case, he was able to verify most of the children's claims, claims that were as detailed as names, places, objects, historical events, dates, and even where and how they died. Dr. Stevenson was greatly interested in a particular phenomenon of these children, the frequent presence in the children of birthmarks and birth defects that appeared to match wounds, usually fatal ones, suffered by the deceased individuals whose lives they were said to remember. They also had some holdover phobias and behaviors from their previous lives. Dr. Jim Tucker worked with Stevenson and then continued his research in the University of Virginia School of Medicine. He has been researching these cases now for more than 20 years. He appears in an episode called Reincarnation on the Netflix documentary series Surviving Death, in which we can actually see one of the cases in progress. In one of the scenes, Dr. Tucker shows several pictures of places and people to the kid who points without hesitation to the correct ones corresponding to his old life. Children normally remember their past lives from the age of 2 or 3 and those memories usually go away by the age 7 or 8. Very specific details they gave about their former lives were verifiable and turned out to be true. Dr. Tucker is a professional psychiatrist and uses the scientific method to obtain proof of these cases. He is aware of the skepticism of mainstream scientists on a subject like this, but already established sciences like medicine, biology, genetics, and many others have to be reassessed to incorporate this new information. Here's an excerpt from the book Synchronicity Key by David Wilcock in chapter 7, titled Reincarnation and Christianity. Quote, Reincarnation invalidates the idea of a place of hideous torture that lasts for all eternity. If a soul doesn't master the lessons this world is ultimately meant to teach us within one lifetime, it will always have another chance. All souls consistently move through Gehenna, through the fires of purification, as they work towards the next level of human evolution. The knowledge of eternal forgiveness could be seen as a threat to entrenched power structures such as the Roman Empire, which may well have wished to control the people as much as possible. In the Second Council of Constantinople, in 553 AD, the Roman government officially declared that it was illegal to believe or teach the concept of reincarnation." It's also well known that the Bible was edited or, at least, missing information, in a way that the teachings of Jehoshua, a.k.a. Jesus, only transmitted the information that was convenient for the power and control of the people. Imagine trying to control a population that has no fear of dying. It is impossible. No one would pay the taxes and they would overthrow the government in a few days. Today, there is no need for people to be told not to believe in reincarnation. Because we have televisions, news, Instagram, Facebook, all of it programming us. We have to go to work so we can pay the electricity bill, and there's not much time to think about these things the blue pill is small sweet and free near death experience near death experience. experience and these also known as near death experiences are a very interesting phenomenon and in fact it is closely connected to reincarnation since the experiencers actually die and then they come back reincarnating in their own body of course in the same life but it is technically a reincarnation. When they come back from being dead, sometimes for several minutes or even in a coma for several days, they report to have come out of their bodies and go through amazing spiritual adventures, higher awareness of being, even more than when they are in their bodies, extra perception, and to have interactions with other beings in other timeless places outside of this dimension. Sometimes they claim to have interacted with God or other powerful beings. In some cases, these beings give them information about things that will happen in their future that they could confirm afterwards. Some people remember specific details of what was happening around them in the hospital bed or whatever they were at the time of their death, because they were out of their bodies as observers of the situation. The nurses and doctors cannot explain how a patient who died for a few minutes can know these details if they were clinically dead. They can also see events that happened miles away, like a relative on the way to the hospital. They can describe the clothes they were wearing and the things they were thinking. When people that went through an NDE come back, they struggle to express all what they have experienced with words, and they lose the fear of death, become more spiritually sensitive and abandon all pursuit of materialistic possessions and egoistic motives. Near-death experiences can also happen without the need of an actual physical death. In a few cases, it can happen spontaneously or when they are close to someone who is dying. It can be a shared experience with more than two people, but in the vast majority of cases, the NDE happens when the person physically dies. Some skeptic scientists always want to explain the experiences these people have with the brain activity. But then, how can these people describe in detail what the doctors and nurses were doing and saying, not only in the room, but also down the hallway, when they were dead. The experiencers also say that in that state, they felt even more alive than life itself, as we experience it here on Earth. They say that this reality is very limited compared to what they felt on the other side. Whatever they experienced is far from being hallucinations. Another researcher and author in the area of NDEs and afterlife-related matters is Dr. Raymond Moody. He is a philosopher, psychiatrist and physician. He has written 14 books about the subject since 1975, starting with the book titled Life After Life. In fact, the term NDE was coined by him in that first book. Other researchers have been following closely this phenomena, but as always, we don't hear about all this in the mainstream media. Now, what would happen if an NDE was experienced by a scientist him or herself? That have already happened a couple of times at least. One of them is Dr. Ivan Alexander. Nothing more than an academic neurosurgeon with more than 25 years of experience in the area. In 2008 he fell into a deep coma due to bacterial meningitis. After a week in a deep coma, his doctors put his survival rate well below 10% and said that if he ever recovered, he would be in a nursing home for the rest of his life. But as you may have guessed. None of that happened, and instead he had a tremendous experience that changed his life. Before all this, he was a man of science. Not the kind of person who would believe the things we say in this show. Who would be better to tell you that there is life after the body dies than a veteran neurosurgeon who actually had a near-death experience himself? There are plenty of interviews of him online, so take a look for yourself. There is also the case of Dr. George Rodonaya. M.D. and Ph.D. in neuropathology and Ph.D. in the psychology of religion. He worked as a scientist in the Soviet Union. After he was invited to the United States, he was given an exit visa in 1976. The day he was going to the airport while waiting for a taxi, he was run over by a car. It was a fabricated assassination by the KGV, who didn't want to let him go. The doctors did all they could, but it was to no avail. He was declared dead. He was an avoid atheist and a person of critical thinking, which makes this case even more interesting. Here are some snippets of an interview of him I managed to find on the internet.
1: The work which I did on uh, ATP, adenosine triphosphate, and uh, some other glutamates and neurotransmitter. So KGB used it for brainwash, and they didn't want me to go, so they decided to kill me. Now, during that three days, um, my body was in a freezer, but something incredible happened in my life. That moment when I was hit by that car, and the moment of blank and darkness, I never thought about anything else but fear of that moment. I mean, I felt that I am. I am in this darkness. I am somewhere, nowhere. I don't have body. I, I don't exist, but I exist in my thought. How can I think without that chemicals in my brain? Do I think? Is this hallucination? What is happening with me? And I begin to think positively in that darkness. And what can be positive in the darkness but light? I mean, that's the only opposite side of darkness. So I immediately thought about darkness and uh, light. light. And there it is
0: here he goes on explaining how incredible was the feeling of being part of the light how powerful and incomparable the light was and the things he saw and experienced. many of which are similar to other accounts from other ndes but i like how even on the other side he carried with him his scientific attitude of asking questions and analyzing a situation the way a scientist would do
1: lot of things happening there, which is unexplainable for me. And then I'm thinking, but where am I? I mean, maybe I'm in America and somebody um, drugged me and I have hallucination. Maybe, maybe some hallucination is uh, part of that, what I'm going through. But in reality, I don't feel anything. I don't feel my body. I don't feel, where is George? <laughs> I don't have face, I don't have body. I am in light, but I am. I am because I'm thinking. And I am because I am aware that I am.
0: He continues with more tales about being able to see his life in a simultaneous moment, being able to go anywhere at any period of time, and many other details that you are able to see in the complete interview. I'll leave the link in the show notes. Let's hear his conclusion about this impressive experience.
1: There is no death, there is life. It continues, it goes into another dimension, it becomes something else. It's not necessarily recycles and comes back, but anything is possible. I'm saying that we have reason, and if we follow that reason, we achieve it. Kingdom of God on earth, Uh, to be with God here, to discover that our body, our mind, and our spirit, in harmony, can do miracles. And all this, all this, I understood during that three days.
0: What do you think? I mean, a former scientist? An atheist? Talking this way about God? What? Well, this is the reaction that some people might have. And I'm pretty sure that some people will even say that this guy had a problem in his head after that assassination attempt, a.k.a. he is crazy. That's why I always encourage people to do their own research. No one can be told what the invisible color looks like. They have to see it by themselves. When you begin researching about these topics, you'll find out how everything is connected with everything else. Charles Ford once said, quote, One measures a circle beginning anywhere, Unquote. non-existence. What does it imply? Something that doesn't exist implies absolute nothingness, but if you try to imagine nothingness, all you'll get in your mind is a dark void, which is something. No matter how hard you try to imagine non-existence, you won't be able to. A dark void still exists, and it might be a real thing, but it exists, so it is not an absolute non-existence. Just the fact that someone is thinking of non-existence makes it able to exist. But something that exists is not real non-existence. In many of the NDE cases, right after the transition, people find themselves in a dark place. For some of them, it is not scary, but for some others, it might be. Just like it happened to George Rodonaya. I'm going to quote him from another of his interviews. Quote, The first thing I remember about my near-death experience is that I discovered myself in a realm of total darkness. I had no physical pain, I was still somehow aware of my existence as George, and all about me there was darkness. Utter and complete darkness. The greatest darkness ever. Darker than any dark, blacker than any black. This was what surrounded me and pressed upon me. I was horrified. I wasn't prepared for all this at all. I was shocked to find that I still existed, but I didn't know where I was. The one thought that kept rolling through my mind was, how can I be when I'm not? That is what troubled me. Slowly, I got a grip on myself and began to think about what had happened, what was going on, but nothing refreshing or relaxing came to me. Why am I in this darkness? What am I to do? Then I remembered Descartes' famous line, I think, therefore, I am. And that took a huge burden off me. For it was, then I knew for certain I was still alive. Although obviously in a very different dimension. Then I thought, if I am, why shouldn't I be positive? That is what came to me. I am George. I'm in darkness. But I know I am. I am what I am. I must not be negative. End quote. Just like George described, he found himself in the darkest place an entity could be. But he still existed, because that's the nature of consciousness, infinite existence. Existence and non-existence is something we'll explore more in a future episode. Today's recommendation is the book The Synchronicity Key, The Hidden Intelligence Guiding the Universe and You, by David Wilcock. If you have been following this podcast so far, I think you'll like this book. If you enjoyed this episode of Astra Podcast Beyond Possibilities, consider rating the show and subscribe whenever you listen to the podcast. I would really appreciate it. Also, check out our YouTube channel under the name Beyond Possibilities. If you want to know more references of today's topic and more information in general about the show, visit astrapodcast.com. Thank you for listening, and thank you for existing.